Welcome to Brisbane West Vineyards Podcast. It's great to have you with us. We're a community of people sharing God's love, power, and life that's revealed in Jesus. We gather Sundays, 5pm, at Good News Lutheran School in Middle Park. We exist simply for the King and His Kingdom, that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. ago, Jonathan kicked off um, our new series, Living Sacrifices, didn't he? And he he led us through that meditation from Romans, um, just in Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. And he was speaking about giving our whole selves to the Lord as a living sacrifice of worship. And that was in response to what Jesus has already done for us. And so um, we're going to be continuing that series today. Last week, do you remember Kirk was with us from Pine Rivers? And he led us in that wonderful um, message of giving our yes to Jesus at the beginning of the year. And he really encouraged us to do that as an act of worship and devotion. And he just gave us that moment, didn't he, to intentionally stop and pause and to be able to say yes to Jesus. I'm going to go again this year. And so now we're going to continue that Living Sacrifices series. And uh, Jonathan, next slide, please, love We're going to be asking some questions throughout this series. What does it look like to be a living sacrifice? Because it's a bit of a funny phrase, isn't it? What does that look like in our Christian walk? What does it mean to give ourselves wholly to the Lord? And what does it mean for me in this season of my life to say yes to Jesus? So we've got three weeks ahead of us, including this one, and three messages And as Jonathan was saying, each week we're going to be looking at a a story from the good news about Jesus, which beautifully and and, uh, challengingly describes what it looks like when you can see someone who's living their life as a living sacrifice. And so we're going to take some time to reflect on these very personal stories of real people and how they have responded to Jesus in their acts of worship. And we're going to be saying, what can we learn from those stories? So the messages are short, as Jonathan said. We want to create space um, to respond to Jesus in small groups. So we've prepared some questions each week, which we will be going through. And uh, we'll have an opportunity as well together to pray in those small groups at the end. We really want this time and this space um, to be about responding to Jesus and of really working this stuff through with one another. So we're going to move to our first story, which is Jesus is anointed in Bethany. There are four examples, actually, quite striking stories of this event in the Gospels, which I think highlights its significance. But today we're going to be looking in Mark, in Mark's account, in chapter 14, verses 3 to 9. I have got it up there on the screen, um, or you can follow along if you'd like to in your own Bible. You might notice every now and again there's some words in italics, and that's because I've just injected in there a little bit of the Passion Translation because... Um, There's some wonderful phraseology in the Passion. And so if you see that, that's what I've done. So let's start reading together. Mark 14, verse 3. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. It was filled with the highest quality of fragrant, expensive oil. She walked right up to Jesus, 
And with a gesture of extreme devotion, she broke open the jar and poured the precious perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were highly indignant and they complained to one another, saying, what a waste. This could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? She has honored me with this beautiful act of kindness. You will always have the poor among you and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She has done all that she could to honor me and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this story of her lavish devotion to me will be remembered and discussed. Thanks, Jonathan. This is one of the most uh, beautiful expressions of worship in Scripture, isn't it? And Emily and Dan, thank you for leading us so beautifully earlier in the song of response that um, others have written in response to this story. In, in uh, John's Gospel, he names this lady as Mary, the sister of Martha. And, uh, and she's inspired by the Holy Spirit, isn't she? And she steps into a moment of time, I think, with great courage and boldness. And, and most likely, she didn't even really realize the significance of it. But she anoints Jesus for burial, as he points out here. What a moment. It's incredible, isn't it? Can you imagine the angels around the throne? Maybe they all paused to kind of, this is amazing what's happening right in this moment. Now, while we can't recreate that moment ourselves because it was a moment in time, we can learn from Mary's heart of devotion. And that's what we'd like to do in this series. We can also learn something from the response of others to her devotion and Jesus' own response to Mary. Next slide, please, Jonathan. I think if we were to draw three words from Mary's response, from Mary's act of worship, I think we could look at these three. Um, unashamed extravagant devotion. She's completely unashamed in this moment. She's completely single-minded in her plan to respond to Jesus in the way that she has heard very personally the Holy Spirit prompting her heart to do. It's very brave, isn't it, to do this in a room full of people. Her gift is of the utmost extravagance this perfume that, that is mentioned is the oil of spikenard. Now, we might not have heard of that, and there's good reason, because it's from, it comes from the foothills of the Himalayas, which even for us today is quite a distance. But can you imagine carrying that from all of that distance? That's why it's so expensive and sought after, and it has such a price tag. We know that this would have cost a whole year's wage. That's quite something, isn't it? Mary knows that there's nothing but the very best for Jesus. She's devoted to him, and she showers him with kindness, he says, and her act marks him out as deserving of the highest honor, and she gives him the highest place. Other stories talk about Jesus in his response, saying others haven't done this, but Mary has, and yet you're rebuking her for doing it. So Mary holds nothing back. 
In contrast, the others have quite a different response to the extravagance. Thanks, Jonathan. And rather than being un um, unashamed, they are quite indignant. They respond to her extravagance by calling it a waste. And they say, surely there's something uh, more worthwhile than the Mary's devotion. That's quite a stunning um, response, isn't it? They are really harsh with Mary. It's ugly and mean. It's intimidating. It's bullying. Can you imagine Mary? She's just put her heart right out on display. She must have been completely cut to the heart at that response. Jesus comes to her defense and he says no. And while he affirms that yes, we should be giving to the poor, and that's the right thing to do. And that's obviously evidenced through the rest of the entire um, um, scripture that we have before us. God loves the poor. Genuine godly worship will draw us straight to the Father's heart. And when we worship in God like that, our response to him is to give. So Jesus affirms Mary's sacrifice of worship as one that will be renowned to the world for the rest of eternity. And here we are at the very ends of the earth, 2,000 years later, um, being impacted by her sacrifice of worship. So sometimes I do this. Do you do this? Do you read stories like this in scripture and try to imagine yourself if you were there and where you would be in the story? And I think sometimes we're quite kind to ourselves and we think, yeah, that's what I would have done. I would be the one pouring out all of the oil in that way. But would we? We tend to see ourselves in the best light. But it's probably more likely that we might be with those onlookers, looking incredulously at Mary, going, what are you doing? How could you do such a thing? Perhaps some of us not really getting it, and then others sitting back going, Gee, you know, I wish I was that brave. So her story is still a challenge to us today. And we want to ask today, how can we love Jesus in the same way that Mary did? We've just sung that beautiful set of worship together. But when was the last time that you sat and you told Jesus that you loved him? And when was the last time that you honored him in some way? like Mary has. You know, I was struck by the outflow of Mary's worship. This might have been a once-in-a-moment time that she uh, lavished Jesus like this with such kindness, but the outflow of that kindness and that worship of Jesus is that she put herself in extremely dangerous, difficult situations over the coming years. In fact, in the next few days, she was at the foot of the cross when others had fled in fear of their lives. Mary was the one who met Jesus, or Jesus met Mary in the garden. And she was the one who he trusted, first of all, with the good news of what has happened, of the new creation that was happening right before her. And he trusted her to share that good news. And she spent the rest of her life doing that, sharing the good news, bringing others on the journey, seeing to their needs. So Mary's worship wasn't a once-in-a-moment sort of lavish act to draw attention to herself, perhaps. But the effects and the fruit of that are what is why we're here today. 
So the story can be confronting to us. And we want to ask today, what happens in your heart when you see extravagant worship like this? Do you feel indignant when others freely give their time or their money or their resources and energy? Do you feel it's a waste to give up the patterns of this world and follow him? Or perhaps you feel there's something more worthwhile you could be doing with your time than dedicating it to Jesus. Maybe you feel ashamed or a bit cautious or even irritated, especially when other people worshipping around you and dedicating themselves to God seem to be so free. Or perhaps everything in you wishes that you could be like Mary, but there's something that holds you back. Maybe fear or shame for some reason. You can't quite put your finger on it. Thanks, Jonathan. The scriptures that remind that jumped to my mind when I was looking at this this week is this one from Romans chapter 1, verse 16, just beginning of verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the, God, of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. And also the next one. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So Mary was completely unashamed of displaying her heartfelt devotion, even in front of a critical crowd. She demonstrates to us someone who loves the Lord with all her heart, with all her soul, and with all her mind. And that's our heart for us here at, at Vineyard, isn't it? For us to be renowned for extravagant, devoted worship, where like Mary, we can respond to the Holy Spirit in freedom to love Jesus with everything we had. And I really enjoyed listening to Paul and hearing what he had to say this morning as he welcomed us into this space of how that impact is actually going out from here. And we just want to join and say more, Lord, of what you're doing in this time, in this season, and what you were doing just now amongst us. So let's get into our small groups and respond to this wonderful story. We've prepared some questions. And so these chairs are actually joined together. So um, I think if maybe we get into groups of about uh, five, um, that will probably enable us to have a, a good chance for people to respond. When you're in your small group, um, just be aware that um, we've got some questions. Uh, maybe four people might actually be better given the time we have. But... Um, and then we can pray in pairs. But just be aware, if there's someone in a group who's a bit quiet, just draw them into that conversation and just say, well, you know, what, do you, what are you thinking about that? And let's make space for one another to all have a chance to respond. Um, Jonathan, the questions that we've put up today, and we're going to leave those on the screen because we know as soon as you've asked a question, it goes in one ear out the other. But So we'll leave those up on the screens. What gets in the way of you extravagantly worshipping Jesus? And what might you need to change? What things might change in your life if you learn to unashamedly worship Jesus? And how might that affect others around you? And if Jesus was to join your small group right now, how would you respond? And how would you like to respond? At the end, let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us into deeper intimacy and freedom in worship. Or just respond in any way that is, um, is appropriate for what folks have shared in your group. Before we get into groups, let's pray. Jesus, we do love you. And we thank you for the way that you've 
minister to us so richly and deeply today. It's such a joy to worship you. But Lord, we know that there's always more. And so, Lord, we just ask, Lord, that as we have this discussion amongst ourselves now, Lord, that you would come with your Holy Spirit and you would help us to find freedom and a deeper intimacy with you. We want to say yes to you this year. And so we invite you, Lord, come now in Jesus' name. Amen.